just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. We are getting our first ever sanctioned homeless camp, and we now know exactly where it will be. Downtown Salt Lake City on 300 South and 600 West. It's not far from the Rio Grande, which might have longtime Salt Lake residents cocking their heads. Now, we told you we would get the details on this project, and we did. So here is what you need to know. It's Monday, September 18th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Lead producer Emily Means, you were at the press conference for this big announcement about Salt Lake City's first sanctioned camp program. What are the basics? Give me the skinny. Okay, Allie, they are calling this program the Temporary Shelter Community, and Mayor Aaron Mendenhall says this is just part of the effort to keep people safe this winter. Um, Let me tell you about this specific location. It's 3rd South and 6th West, and when I went out there this past week, it's just a big empty plot of land between the Rio Grande Depot and UTA's Salt Lake City Central Station. So, This piece of land is owned by the city's redevelopment agency. And if we're picturing kind of what this will look like, even though we are a little bit light on the details, uh, 50 people will be housed here. And the state is tasked with procuring the units that people will sleep in. But we are not talking tents in an empty field. We're talking pods, I think is what people have referred to them as. We're talking four walls, a roof, a door that locks. We're talking electricity. There will be bathrooms. And yeah, besides that, like, we don't know exactly what it'll look like. Well, okay, we're calling it a temporary shelter. Does that mean it's ideally a temporary shelter for its residents or that this sanctioned camp in and of itself is temporary? Both in a way. So this Uh. is part of a two-phase approach, Allie. This is phase one. And this is intended to last only from November to April. So our winter, basically. And that's because once this ends, it will phase into a more permanent type of project, a permanent sanctioned camping project that the state is running. They're calling it a pilot project, this particular phase. Are we to understand then that this is our temporary winter overflow shelter or will we also have that in place? That's a great question, Allie. This is in addition to the winter overflow plans that the mayors of Salt Lake County have already laid out. So 50 units, like that's not all 
that there will be this winter. That's on top of 600 beds for the rest of the county, basically. Mm. So that winter overflow plan looks like potentially expanding existing homeless resource centers. Uh, It also looks like another overflow shelter, which I think is out in West Valley. Hmm. I mean, when we've talked to providers in the past on this show about, for example, wraparound housing services Mm -hmm. and some of these like super low income housing opportunities, they've told us our wait list is already full. And those are buildings that can house like, you know, upwards of 100 people. What does the list look like for these 50 temporary sites and how are people being recruited for them? Honestly, we don't know yet. Things are happening really, really quickly here. And that was the vibe that I got from this press conference as well, like talking with city officials, talking with people in state government, talking to service providers who were there. They were like, "Okay, this is happening. And we, you know, we don't have everything ironed out quite yet. Um, So, yeah, I think that all remains to be seen. But like I said, this is just the pilot project. And then after this, we're hoping to move into a more permanent situation that's run by the state, potentially on state-owned land. Uh, Right now, this project will be on city-owned land, as I mentioned. It's owned by the Redevelopment Agency. And, yeah, everyone agreed that, like, this is not a cure for homelessness, But Mayor Mendenhall says something she would count as a success is if they do this program so well that they can implement it in other parts of the state. I think what's really interesting to me about how quickly this all came together is that we've been waiting for years, Emily, to see movement on the tiny home village. Mm -hmm. And when you describe these individual shelters, They sound almost like tiny home version 1.0, like tiny home would probably be version 4.0, you know, like they're a little more equipped. Yeah. Um, But thinking about how we've been, it's taken years to pull together a tiny home shelter and yet so quickly we've pulled together a site and sort of draft plan for this temporary sanctioned camp, I got to ask, like, how much are these going to cost and who's paying for them? And like, how did this come together so quickly? (laughs) Honestly, Allie, I'm still trying to catch my breath and it seems like lots of other people are too. So one of the things that I think catalyzed this is really the city council, the Salt Lake City Council designating $500,000 in this year's budget for a sanctioned camping program. At that time, It was not evident to the public what that would look like, when it would Mm. open, if it would even be in Salt Lake City limits. But at the same time, this is something that the State Office of Homeless Services has been thinking about. um, And they're chipping in $1 million for this particular effort. Um, So I think that that collaboration has been really instrumental in making this happen so quickly. Do we know how much these pods cost? Because I know like, you know, for example, similar programs in Denver, they're upwards of twenty, thirty thousand dollars dollars $30,000. Yeah. So a reporter did ask the state that question and they estimated ten dollars to $15,000. So, okay. you know, I guess if we're comparing that to other programs, maybe that's a good deal. But we yeah. don't yet have these pods uh, lined up. So right. who knows how much they'll cost? Okay. Well, I want to talk a little bit about this site. 
because when it was announced 600 West, 300 South, I know you and I both were like, gee, that's really close to the site of Operation Rio Grande, the site of the former road home shelter that was basically emptied. People were moved kind of all around the city. And now we're kind of coming full circle. Like we're back to this site. How was this picked? Yeah, it is funny in that way, isn't it, Allie? Um, I asked the mayor about this. And for one, like we've said, the city owns it, which makes it much easier to move quickly on this sort of thing. The mayor also said they can more efficiently set up utilities here. I mentioned there will be electricity. So basically, this is the most ready spot they could find. And if you think about it, it is in a very practical location. Uh, It's near to other services. I mean, the Fourth Street Clinic is nearby. Uh, The food pantry is nearby. It's right by a tracks and bus station in the free fare zone, which Mm -hmm. I think is like hugely strategic, right? Yeah. And on top of that, the city had a willing partner in the Utah Transit Authority because I think, Allie, what we've seen when we're citing these sorts of resources one of the biggest challenges is buy-in from the neighbors, right? And yeah. UTA is like, yeah, we, we would love to partner with you on this. We're totally down. So it seems like this was the best place they could find. That is really interesting to hear that UTA was stoked on the site because it is right across from the big bus terminal. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, we're so used to people balking at shelters or camps being in their neighborhood. I just assumed that UTA would be balking at a permanent camp going across the street from the bus station. It's heartening to hear that they were in on this and that they're supportive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Carlton Christensen, who's the chair of UTA's board, was there at this press conference and he wholeheartedly supported this effort. And I don't know. It's it's just usually a huge barrier to get people to be like, yeah, for sure. I would love to have a homeless shelter or a sanctioned campground right here next to my business, you know. So, uh, yeah, it is heartening. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College. 
and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. So UTA is in. What about the neighborhood? That's a good question, Allie. Um, hmm. I didn't pull every single business <laughs> in this area. <laughs> and actually, I learned something interesting. So I, I wanted to reach out to the Pioneer Park Coalition. They're kind of the business district in that area. The Pioneer yeah. Park Coalition doesn't exist in that iteration anymore. They are now Solutions Utah. And what? their focus is broader than the Pioneer Park area. What? I know, right? I was like, huh, I, I missed that press release. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I asked someone from Solutions Utah, someone who uh, still has buy-in in this area. And basically, they said, it's not necessarily the location. It's the execution of this. And so... You know, depending on how many resources, that, what kind of resources they put into this effort, um, depending on how successful it is, depending on the impacts to surrounding businesses, you know, we're on board with this sort of thing as long as we can figure all of that stuff out. So that's what I got from stakeholders in the area. But also, Ali, I'll note that there are already a lot of people who camp in this area. And yeah. so it does kind of make a lot of sense that maybe instead of setting up tents on the, they call it the island on Rio Grande Street, it's like a median where there's space for people to put up tents. Um, maybe they're not there anymore, but they're instead in this specific location where there are services. Yeah. It seems like a consistent pinch point in this city around the issue of homelessness is expectation setting. And I'm curious, I mean, we've talked about how this is all moving quickly. Do we know what the city's plan is for warming the neighborhood to this project and the city in general? Like, basically, like, what's the comms plan? Again, I'm kind of short on the details there, Allie, but yeah. what I do know is that the city has a community outreach team. And even at this press conference, there were some folks there from the community outreach team. Basically, from what I understand, they're going around the neighborhood, the Pioneer Park neighborhood, and letting people know that this is happening. So beyond mm -hmm. that, I'm not sure. There hasn't been, you know, a public input and comment process on this. And there are pros and cons to that type of process. Sometimes it can kind of gum up the works. Yeah. But, you know, they're moving so quickly on this because they want to get it ready in time for winter. So, yeah, I don't know how extensive the communications process will be, but they are knocking doors, it seems like. Sending them my absolute best. I mean, when we think about convincing people to utilize this camp, 
one question that I have is like, can they use there? Will this be a safe use site? I don't think we know that yet, Allie. And I also think we will get more details on the operations of this camp once they actually pick an operator for the camp. So we don't know who that is yet. Yeah. What is what is the strategy for that? Okay, the strategy is the state is leading out on that effort. They're going to open up a request for proposals in the next week. And to me, it seemed like a really short window, 10 days that RFP will be open. And the reason why it seemed like a short window to me is because we've heard from service providers that they are totally strapped. (laughs) Like they don't have enough funding. They don't have enough staffing. They're concerned about expanding the services they already offer for winter. And so I'm like, okay, who is going to step up for this effort? And Ali, while I was there at the press conference, there were two organizations there who were already like, oh, you know what, we'd be interested in applying. Um, One of them was Nomad Alliance. The other was Unsheltered Utah. Both are these grassroots community organizations that do outreach. And I talked with Wendy Garvin, who is the executive director of Unsheltered Utah. One, she said she was super excited to see the city and state coming together to make this happen. And yeah, I know. Like, it's something these organizations have been pushing for for a few years now. So to see it happen so quickly, um, you know, in a matter of speaking, uh, she was excited about that. But she's also given thought to what a program could look like if her organization is chosen. And the way she envisions it is kind of like a bridge to more permanent programs. So in her mind, she would love for this sanctioned camp to house people who are potentially medically vulnerable, older people, people who are going to have a really, really hard time if they're out camping this winter. And in Wendy's mind, she would be able to move these people from the sanctioned camp into a more permanent program. So Mm -hmm. that's just one example um, for how this could potentially be run and only if Unsheltered Utah is chosen as the operator. So lots of details still to work out. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, even just the fact that it's the state running the RFP is really interesting to me because, of course, this is an election year. And one of the things that we hear consistently out of the mayor's office on this issue is the state and the city need to be partnering on solutions. Mm -hmm. The city alone cannot solve homelessness. And so to see the mayor up there with representatives from the state and launching this in basically a joint partnership, I mean, it seems like that is kind of been the goal of this mayor's office. And you've got executive director of Unsheltered Utah, Wendy Garvin, who's been a very vocal critic of the mayor's office, saying, happy to see it getting done. I don't know. Is there a little kumbaya here? Gosh, hopefully. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, what we've heard from Mayor Mendenhall over and over again is the framing of this crisis as the state's homelessness crisis. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it shows that the state is taking this seriously and the city has been able to bring the state to the table on this. And I don't know, I guess we'll see what happens in the next phase of this of this project and what the city's involvement is in it. Well, on that note, I mean, last question, I guess, is what else needs to fall into place for this to work? 
I think the biggest piece of this is the safety and security plan. I mentioned that some of the stakeholders in this neighborhood might be concerned about the impacts to businesses. I had asked Andrew Johnston, who is the Salt Lake City Director of Homeless Policy, about the most important part of this program. And he said it's it's like making sure that people who are living in the camp are safe and secure and also that the surrounding area is safe and secure. We asked the mayor at the press conference what that could look like. She said there will be increased patrolling there. So I'm thinking about a greater police presence there. They also said they'll utilize the downtown ambassadors program, uh, the park ranger program, because this is really close to Pioneer Park. Mm-hmm. So... I think that's the big hitch. And the city is moving forward with this plan at lightning speed. They're trying to ready the site while the state is working on all the other pieces, working on procuring the pods, working on finding an operator. And the city's safety and security program will be a big part of that. Got it. Lead producer Emily Means, thank you for digging up these details for us. You bet. Thanks, Allie. If this sanctioned camp project has piqued your interest, I've got a volunteer opportunity for you. Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall said that they might need people to put together welcome packets for new residents at the sanctioned camp. If you want to add your name to the volunteer list, you can do that via the SLC Core website. That's Core, like Peace Corps. I linked it in the show notes. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.